and welcome to this week's Mooney on Politics podcast. Apologies for the sound quality. I've been hit with hay fever over the last few days and it's left my throat in fairly ragged order. So apologize if I'm a little bit croaky or I have to stop every so often to take a little sip of water. Basically, this week's podcast or this fortnight's podcast is probably a more accurate way of putting it looks at a couple of issues that follow on from the last episode but a lot of which kind of are triggered by the recent Irish Times Ipsos poll because the poll numbers in Thursday's paper left many people wondering why Fine Gael had suffered such a big drop in support and now the publication today and this has been recorded on Friday the 16th of June the publication today of the rest of that poll's findings offers an answer because these show that voters would much prefer to see more money allocated to improving public services and infrastructure than to see it spent on tax cuts. Only 13% of the 35 to 49 year old cohort, which is Fine Gael's strongest voting block at the moment, with around 19% support, want to see the government surplus used for tax cuts. This compares to 24% who want to see the surplus used to improve public services such as health and education or a further 39% who want to see the surplus used to build infrastructure such as public transport, housing, hospitals and schools. And by the way, the ratios are very similar across the other age groups, in particular, actually, unsurprisingly, for 18 to 25. Now, these numbers are a very firm rebuke to the previous Fine Gael wheeze on €1,000 tax cuts. It also adds fuel to the pyre that's been stealthily built on the Leo Varadkar's leadership. And despite the stories across three of last week last weekend's Sunday newspapers of mounting discontent with that leadership, the pyre is not yet ready to be lit. Though that may well change when we see the shape of the new constituencies, but more on that point later. However, it's an ill wind that blows nobody any good. And the Irish Times poll brought the first good polling news for Fianna Fáilis in several months. Fianna Fáil TDs, but especially councillors, will be relieved to see the party put ahead of Fine Gael. After months, if that's not years, of being told that their own party polls were showing everything going swimmingly, elected reps will be content to see a well-regarded poll echoing those sentiments. And no offence meant here to be in a Sunday Times, which has shown Fianna Fáil ahead of Fine Gael once or twice before. However, at the risk of seeming like a killjoy, it should be noted that this result is still below what the party got at the last general election, and that result itself was the second worst performance by the party ever. It is also some six percentage points below what the party scored in the 2019 local election results. Back then they got almost 27% of the vote. So even on this figure, which is 21% according to the Irish Times, the party could face losing between a fifth and a quarter of its 270 or so council seats. Nonetheless, Fianna Fáil TDs and councillors will be hoping that the poll signals a permanent return to party support levels in the low 20s. And the fact that this comes potentially at the expense of both Fine Gael and Sinn Féin will not cause them any distress or bother. They know that the recent Fine Gael tax move was an attempt to consult them. And so they'll be equally sanguine about the fact that it has backfired on Leo and Co. But while the focus has not unsurprisingly been on the falling support levels for both Sinn Féin and Fine Gael, we should be paying greater attention to one of the other important findings in the Irish Times poll. And that's a figure that spells equally bad news for, for Fine Gael and for Fianna Fáil. And the number I'm referring to is the government satisfaction rating, which the Irish Times poll now shows as falling from 38% the last time to just 34% this time. Now, back in 2012, one of Fianna Fáil's top pollsters, 
told me that the key number to look at in any Ipsos Irish Times poll when predicting support was the government support level one. And back then he was arguing that the seeds of the Fine Gael and Labour government's later collapse had already been sown in its early months as its government satisfaction rating was well below the two parties combined support by 2012-2013. So assuming this rule of thumb still applies, then both Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael must carefully consider their next steps. Will Leo Varadkar heed the lesson of the poll? Will he realise that his offer of tax cuts are out of kilter with what wavering Fine Gaels are looking for? Or will he bet on his political instincts and double down on a policy that his personal brand written all over it? I suspect, based on the, the theory that past performance is often the best predictor of future actions, that he'll go with the latter. He'll double down. Because the one thing we can be absolutely certain of is that neither he nor his entourage will consider the fate or future of anyone outside of their own immediate Fine Gael circle. We have a Taoiseach who is the Fine Gael leader first and foremost. Now, earlier I referred to the influence which the new, boundary, the new constituency boundaries may have on events in Fine Gael, but also in and between other parties. These new boundaries are due to be revealed after the Electoral Commission sub- submits its final report to the Oireachtas in August, and at the, I think it was the middle of May, it closed submissions. Now, if you have any interest in politics, or electoral politics in particular, I would highly recommend a search through the submissions made to the Electoral Commission, all of which are now available to read on its site. Now, it did take them a while to get them all up online, but I think they're all there now. And while many are of the I'd love my county to be a standalone three-seater variety of submission, there are also very many well-argued and very well-researched pieces looking at the national situation, but also looking at constituency by constituency. And I think there's a great deal of really interesting material there. Now, a very good starting point is the very com- comprehensive submission from Maynooth University's Dr. Adrian Kavanagh. His stuff is always worth reading and it's highly researched. And you also have the benefit of, in fairness to Adrian, on his blog post, he has his previous submissions there. So you can compare them across uh, electoral commission reports. And you can see that there's a consistency in his approach. But I would also urge you to check out the very detailed submission from the heavily titled Theoretical Physics Students Association of Trinity College Dublin. Now these are a group of data analysts who did a deep dive into the provisional census figures and looked back over previous constituency boundary reports and have come up with a highly researched and very well argued piece of work. And I'm told that behind the paper, which is about 80 pages long, there's actually a computer model and by the way, a major pointer to their political notes is that they've avoided making suggestions for either Dublin or Cork, recognising that these are highly politically sensitive and that it's very hard to construct a purely statistical argument in urban centres where, where your knowledge of geography and the historical association of communities is, very, is limited. As I said, their, pay, their, their submission at 80 pages long is no light read, but I, but I think one of the most important takeaways from the submission is that the most likely number of seats in the next stall is 178. Now, the Oireachtas has given the Commission terms of reference that allow it to come up with a recommendation that allows the creation of anywhere between 11 and 21 additional seats. But you see, particularly from the Trinity submission, breaking from other submissions as well, you quickly see from the tables they produce that 178 is the figure which makes most sense. It's the number where the variation between the TD to population rates is most easily managed. 
and can, can be kept within a 5% variation across almost all constituencies. What I mean by this is, under the Constitution, there are supposed to be one TD for 30,000 of the population. Well, it's actually between 20,000 and 30,000, but the constituency reviews for the last couple of decades have kept it at the higher number. Now, within that, that's the average across the country. So you can go slightly above that in certain constituencies. So you can have one TD for 32, 33 and 34,000 of the population. And it's been a rule of thumb for successive commissions that they kept to a 5% variation maximum. So that's plus or minus 5%, but it averaged out at one TD per, usually it ended up to be about 29,800 population. So people about average it out. And what you see from the Trinity paper is 178 where you can actually achieve that within the other terms of reference. And by the way, it's not the only one that does that. If you actually look across a couple of the other submissions, you start to see that 18 extra seats, a doll of about 178 is the most likely outcome. But 18 extra seats in the context of, of constituencies that can have only a maximum of five seats per constituency means that we're probably going to have some new constituencies. Now, by the way, I mentioned submissions you should look at. Two submissions which I wouldn't recommend terribly highly, strange enough, come from the two main government parties. They're from the headquarters, so offerings from both Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael. Now, I've heard of several TDs and senators from both Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael have put through some really good submissions, and I think they're worth reading. But the official ones, they, the party HQ ones, are actually they're not great. Both of them kind of read more like commentaries than submissions, though so the Fianna Fáil one at least has the, the merit, well, let's say the, the dubious merit of being brief. And when I say brief, I mean brief. It barely stretches to two pages. Indeed, it could easily fit on one page without any great problem. What I take out of the Fine Gael one is that it's suggesting that the Commission should look at wider variances. The way it's put it is this way is, notwithstanding the plus or minus 5% rule of thumb, the Commission clearly has discretion with regard to the extent to which population per TD in any given constituency can vary from the national average. And the Fine Gael submission basically seems to be saying to them that they should list, they should consider variances of plus or minus 9%. And that would kind of allow you to keep to within existing boundaries or that, that a lot of the existing constituencies must stay the same. The Fianna Fáil one, which is basically text, all it just says is that the Commission should respect county boundaries, which, and it advises it too, and I quote, bear in mind the importance of county boundaries in its celebrations, end of quote, and to keep any breaches minimal. Now, it's not an unfair point, but it's one that is very, very hard to see as time goes on, how you can stick by it, because there's a lot of major towns that now, whose hinterland crosses county boundaries. And I'm told that happens between Tipperary and Waterford. I'm told it happens in a couple of places, even where, where I am now, even in terms of some of the Bray hinterland is actually in Dublin, is in Dunleary, etc. But I think the one where the, the most stark example is when you look at County Loud. Now, Loud is currently a five-seater. And when you actually just look at the numbers themselves, it's hard to see how a breach of the County Loud boundaries, boundaries might be avoidable. Such is the growth in population in Loud at 11% and in the areas adjoining Drogheda in County Meath, i.e. Meath East along that commuter corridor, and it's around 13% growth in population there, that you could probably create a five-seat doll constituency for Loud that included the county of Loud but didn't include any part of Drogheda or its hinterland. The Drogheda is an unusual position because half of Drogheda, the northern part of Drogheda, the northern part of the Boyne, is in County Loud. 
The southern part of Drogheda, which is a big part of Drogheda, is in County Meath. So you actually have part of it is represented by Lao TDs, part of it is represented by Meath TDs. So basically what, it, what comes out of this is that you could actually create a new constituency, what you could call a three-seat or Boyne Valley constituency, that includes all of Drogheda, all of its hinterland on both sides of the Boyne, but would also include a huge tract of the new commuter belt that's been created across North Meath. Now, I'm not saying that I think that's going to happen, but looking at a couple of the submissions, you see this coming forward as a good idea, and particularly there's a good few submissions from Loud, and there's certainly ones from a lobby group in Drogheda to make Drogheda a city and to, to get its own representation. Not that creating 18 UTDs is going to be an easy sell, particularly when the range offered was there suggested a lower figure of 11. But it's hard to escape the logic of going for the upper range and settling at at least 18 extra TDs when you consider that the Constitution requires a ratio, as I said earlier, of 1 TD to 20 to 30,000 of the population. By the way, it's important to note here that the pop- Constitution says population, not voters. And maybe this is something that, that the Electoral Commission is going to have to look at and the, the Rock is going to have to look at in the coming years. Should it be strictly on population? Should it be on citizens? Now, as I said again, there are other considerations, and these are set out in Section 6 of the 1997 Electoral Act, which require the Boundary Commission to respect geographic considerations, keep constituencies contiguous, and also to maintain continuity. So, for example, somewhere like Cabin Monaghan, the logic is keeping Cabin Monaghan together. There's a little bit of need east that's been put in with Cabin Monaghan at the moment. Frankly, such as the growth in population in Cabin Monaghan, that it still retains being a five-seater and you can put this area back into Meath East and actually that would probably ultimately go into the, the Boyle Valley area, which I've suggested earlier. More significantly, however, the 1997 Act says that Dáil constituencies may only have three, four or five seats. So you can't have six-seater constituencies under the existing laws, although lo- smaller parties have been lobbying for this change for a long, long time. Now, this is re- relevant to the case of Fingal which is hugely underrepresented and which has far more pop, has enough population for at least six seats, possibly even seven. I can't remember look at the figures for a while. And certainly that's the case in Wexford. And Wexford has been a five-seat constituency, I think, since the 1930s. So for the first time around, Wexford is going to have to either be broken into two, three-seaters, a four-seater with another area gone in somewhere or whatever, or it stays as a five-seater with big chunks of Wexford put into their neighbouring constituencies. But what I'm saying here is that you're at the, we are now looking at the prospect of the biggest change in constituency boundaries since the 1980 constituency revision, which was the first conducted by an independent commission, which increased the number of TDs in the Dáil from 148 to 166, an increase of 18 by coincidence. So this is going to be a big, big change in boundaries. And maybe this is a contributory factor why a lot of government TDs, though mainly Finnegalers, have been delaying decisions on whether they will run or not get or not. Now, within Fianna Fáil and amongst the Fianna Fáil TDs, there seems to be a growing sense that these new boundaries could mean that the current crop of TDs or most of them will hold on to their seats or that they will be facing at the very worst an internal ta- challenge from a party rival. But I think this is missing the, the point and I think actually it suggests part of the problem with Fianna Fáil and part of the point of a lack of ambition. So even if Fianna Fáil were to hold on to all the eight, 38 seats it won in February 20, it would still be a smaller force in a bigger doll. Don't forget... Fianna Fáil won 38 seats in February 2020. It currently technically has 36 seats because Sean O'Farrell is Cam Corla, but he will be returned automatically as Cam Corla. 
and you have Mark McSharry, who's since quit the party. So, to maintain that relative strength in the next stall, Fianna Fáil would need to win 43 seats, 42 at an absolute minimum, just to keep pace. And things are not looking much better for the party at its local level. Because from what I hear, most of the local election candidate selection conventions it's held so far have been uncontested, with only as many candidates offering as there are places to fill. Now, that's not a good omen. Now, it's true that closely contested conventions can lead to disgruntled defeat of candidates and some membership discord. But that's the price you pay for a party that has strong local roots and has ambitious people within it. And while Fianna Fáil headquarters may, be, may see these calm conventions as a sign of a unified and satisfied party, I see it as a stark warning that the vigour and drive that won't carry tight its local organisation is on the wane, if not already gone. However, as bad as things may look for Fianna Fáil under Martin, it has an, Fine Gael has an even greater uphill struggle. It has already lost two TDs. You have Owen Murphy who resigned his seat in April 2021 and Fine failed to hold that to the by-election. And Joe McHugh resigned the party whip in July 2022 and announced that he wouldn't again, wouldn't run again. But on top of that, you have a number of Fine Gael TDs who've already announced that they're not seeking re-election. I think David Staunton did so last week. And you have a number of others who people already are speculating that they probably won't run again. Now, before anyone reminds me that Sinn Féin is not noted for its contested selection convention, and that seems to be doing okay at the polls, let me suggest that Sinn Féin has, may yet faint this, face this problem, albeit in reverse. The highly centralised Sinn Féin model can only survive so long in a growing party. Its membership have been remarkably disciplined in towing the line, but they've done so in the expectation of the party achieving high office. And I do question, I do wonder if that discipline and willingness to allow the party to elite to decide everything will survive either a downturn in public support or a bad public reaction to an unpopular decision made by those elite if they be able to become ministers. I think Sinn Féin is going to face this problem down the road and that's part of the normal maturing and growing up of a political party. Now, let me finish off this podcast with a quick follow-on from the closing paragraphs of my last column. In that, I looked at the problems facing Fianna Fáil today and it struggled to get its support levels back into the low to mid-20s. And the Irish Times poll suggests that maybe it's on the way to doing that. Now, I had pointed out that Fianna Fáil had been on a slide from 2016 onwards, that it had gone from a low in 2011 that had come up to 2016. It had held that support in the local elections in 2018. 19, though not in the European elections, and the European elections are the closest one to the national elections, and that it was on the slide back down since then. Uh, I had kind of identified that problem as the decision to continue air confidence and supply. But that problem, I think, needs to be also looked at in a much wider context, and that's the contraction of what was once considered to be the centrist ground of Irish politics. Now, <clears throat> I'm going to put forward a very simplistic model, and there's a graph that appears in the article or the column, the online article that accompanies this. And I'm putting forward a highly oversimplified model because I'm just taking the Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael support, combined support from 1992 and I map it forward to today and I compare that with the support for Sinn Féin and I map that from, from 1992 to today. So basically in 1992, the combined Fine Gael and Fianna Fáil votes was around 63-64%. Sinn Féin at the time was at 1.5%. 1987, there wasn't much change. Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael combined went up to 67%. Sinn Féin went up to 2.5%. In 
you can track that through right through 20, 2007, there wasn't much change. Things began to change, however, in 2011. In 2011, the combined Fine Gael, Fianna Fáil support went from about 70% in 2007 to 53%. Now, Sinn Féin benefited marginally from that, which up to 10% from 6.9%. But the main beneficiary in 2011 was the Labour Party. But by 2016, the Labour Party suffered its penance for having gone into government with Fine Gael. And the combined Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael support which had been 54% in 2011, fell to 50% in 2016. Sinn Féin shifted up to 14%. In 2020, the combined Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael support fell down again further to 43%. In 2020, the Sinn Féin level of support was just over, just under 25. And today, in the Irish Times poll, the combined Fianna Gael and Fianna Fáil support is at 39 and Sinn Féin supporters at 31. Now, what does that tell you? Well, probably not a great deal. In fairness, the default of this model is that I take it Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael as representing the centre. In fairness, the Labour Party has represented the centre since the late 70s. It hasn't been seen as a party of the left, so that I do accept there's a flaw in this model. But my point here is, do we think that the centre ground in Ireland is shrinking from 60% to the mid-30s? Or is the centre ground staying what it is and it's just moving its identity? And I think it's the latter. And I think that's the question that Fianna Fáil likes to look at. Because my argument is not that either Fianna Fáil or Fine Gael should embrace Sinn Féin or consider it as a coalition party, but rather that they should, and I'm talking more about both Fianna Fáil here than Fine Gael, recognise that its attacks on Sinn Féin are, not, are being seen all too often as attacks on Sinn Féin supporters or those who would consider voting Sinn Féin. And that Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael are effectively driving support into the arms of Sinn Féin. And they need to stop doing that. This is the drum I've been banging for several years on this podcast and before that in the blog posts. And I'm not seeing a change in it. But I think the Irish Times poll and the recent polls are just showing that this trend is continuing. And the end point of this is that the centre ground will be more identified with Sinn Féin than it will with either Fianna Fáil or Fine Gael in only a few years to come. Now, that makes Sinn Féin far less of a threat and makes Sinn Féin something less to be worried about. And Sinn Féin will also have to adapt to that, and that's what I'm going to look at in a future podcast. But I don't think that that trend is now confirmably set in stone. But Fianna Fáil in particular can still reverse it. So, that's the basic of my argument. So anyway, so there we go. Um, I'll say again, apologies for the croaky voice. Blame the good weather over the last few days. Um, I get hay fever at the end, at the, kind of the beginning of June, and it normally lasts for a couple of weeks. So it's at full volume at the moment. Hopefully another week or so this will be gone and I can get myself back to another podcast. Apologies too for sending this out so late on a Friday. It's now approximately six o'clock on Friday, the 16th of June. So anyway, so I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Hope it wasn't a bit too rambling for you. The online version, the text version, will pop up on the website later tonight. And I will talk to you very, very soon. And and by the way, if ever you just feel free to drop a line into the the text box below if you want to contact me or if you want to take take issue with the points I have here. Anyway, so there we are. That's the podcast for this for this fortnight. I will talk to you again soon. Bye bye.